0: Today, on an all-new episode of the Enneagram Journey.
1: Oh, thank God
2: you're here. Listen to this. On, uh-huh. So, Joey and my friend are out last night. They're having dinner, and she reaches over and takes a few of his fries. <gasps> oh, no. <laughs> what? <laughs> you, you know about the, the, the plate thing? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, Joey
1: doesn't share food. I mean, just, just last week, we were having breakfast, and, and he had a couple of grapes on his plate. Wait, you wouldn't let her have a grape? Oh, no, not me. Emma.
0: <laughs> Joey does not share food!
2: So we're going to the party tonight. Cops or ghosts? Your choice. I don't want to be a ghost. Let's be cops. People actually think we're cops. Please,
3: please! Oh. oh! That was awesome.
2: How far are we planning on taking this? Where'd you get this thing? eBay, dude. This is super illegal, right? This? No.
3: No? Wow. I don't like the feeling.
2: You're sitting there, you're wondering, do I have food on my face? Am I eating? Am I talking too much? Are they talking enough? Am I interested? I'm not really interested. Should I play like I'm interested, but I'm not that interested, but I think she might be interested, but do I want to be interested, but now she's not interested, so now all of a sudden I'm I'm starting to get interested? And when am I supposed to kiss her? Do I have to wait for the door? Because then it's awkward. It's like, well, good night. Do you do, like, the ass-out hug? We like to hug each other like this and the ass sticks out because you're trying not to get too close. You just go right in and kiss them on the lips, So don't kiss them at all. It's very difficult trying to read the situation. And all the while you're just really wondering, are we going to get hopped up enough to make some bad decisions? Hey, Janice, great talk.
3: We're going to make some good decisions today. And you are on the right track. Listening to today's episode of the Anagram Journey podcast with the Anagram Godmother, Suzanne Stabile. My name is Joel, and today's guest is Enneagram 6, Jasmine Miller. We're going to talk about her phobic and her counterphobic sides. What's the difference between fear and anxiety? What's the difference between a counterphobic 6 and an 8? Layered thinking for the head triad, and who remembers the show lost? Plug time first. Suzanne is headed to Houston to teach Enneagram and Relationships at St. Paul's UMC on Saturday, September 30th. And if you want to see a real show, she's going to be participating in the services on Sunday. The link is in the show notes, and you can find the information and registration on the LTM website at lifeinthetrinityministry.com. Already have plans that weekend, or you just prefer to hear Suzanne teach in California on her birthday? You got it. October 13th and the 14th, Suzanne will be teaching on relationships and the Antigram, the path between us, in Porterville, California. Guess where you can find that information? lifeinthetrinityministry.com or the link in the show notes. Also, and finally, depending on when you're listening to this, time is almost up to apply for the 2024 cohort programs. The Anagram cohort, the Contemplative cohort, the Family Systems cohort, and the Deconstruction and Reconstruction cohort all meet for three days once each quarter of the year. If you're wanting to go deeper in your journey in one of these areas, I strongly encourage you to apply com backslash 2024 cohorts or click on the link in the show notes. Thank you all as always so much for listening and now let's join Suzanne and Jasmine. Hello.
1: Can Hello. you hear me? I can. Can you hear me? I can. Uh, hi. Hi. Joel will be right with us. He's making an appointment. Sounds so he, great. Yeah, He's trying to talk to somebody who Closes their office from 12 to one thirty, which is lovely.
0: But That's not- always convenient. <laughs> so you look so beautiful. Thank you. You're I are uh, That is a major compliment when you are just a couple months postpartum. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. i on feeling that way.
1: Yeah. Two littles around the house. It's a yes. lot.
0: It is a whole thing.
1: Yeah. It is a whole thing. We had four kids.
0: So. I know. I can't imagine, and they all seem pretty close together. Ten years, ten years. Okay,
1: from the oldest to the youngest.
0: Okay, yeah. I have a sister. She's nine years older. Oh, um, but it's just the two of us.
1: Yeah. Well, that's yeah. that's almost only child status in there somewhere, isn't it?
0: <laughs> Don't you know it? Yeah, I do know it. <laughs> that is absolutely the truth. Yeah. Yeah. My husband and I, we have a running joke where I talk about how well I can share, how well I can share my food. Because when we first got married, I was like, I ordered this. Like, why would you have some of, I didn't grow, you know, sharing sharing with my siblings or anything. Right. So now when he asks, him, like, it's because I'm such a good share, right? Yes. You can have some of my fries because I'm such a good share.
1: That, yeah. I, you know, I'm married to a former priest who wasn't sharing with anybody.
0: Did you know Joe used to be a Catholic priest? I did, yeah. and I have. I'm I'm loving hearing more of that story unfold over time. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's a good one. But he he wasn't. Um, he was good at eating everything that was available because he spent his. He went away to seminary at fourteen, so he spent I, his formative like years um, figuring yeah. out how to get the most potatoes when they went by. Or
0: absolutely, <laughs> yeah. He's better now, though.
1: We've been married for 36 years, so he's better.
0: He's such a good sharer now. <laughs> yeah, so good. So good.
1: Yeah, you can tell also your husband have... that it only took Joe about 30 years. So that you're. you're <laughs> He'll appreciate you're, that. You're actually an overachiever.
0: <laughs> I'm a little bit ahead of yeah. the curve. Yeah. That's awesome. You He'll go. love that. Yeah. He'll always say, I'm so proud of you, babe. Thank oh, you for yeah. sharing. Yeah. You're welcome. Our, our kids, however, are still going to have to figure out how to just eat their own. <laughs> <It's> mom's food. Because <laughs> I know once once that damn breaks, yeah, they yeah. will always want my yeah. food.
1: Then you don't have a life anymore.
0: No, I don't. <laughs> I don't. And I'm trying real hard to, to hang on to the little bit I got. Yeah.
1: Well, tell me. Tell me about the kids while we're waiting for Joel. I'd I love to know.
0: I, they. So I have a two-year-old and then an eight-month-old. So my two-year-old is Maverick Cruz, and then my eight-year-old is Jet Rose. Um, And I really think they might be fake. Like Jet came out, and she started sleeping through the night at like three weeks old. She really was a unicorn baby. Um, Maverick was not. He was the opposite. So he was actually born with a broken collarbone, but we didn't know um, because he was born almost 10 pounds. So we didn't find out until... um, I think it was his three-week pediatrician appointment where they said, I didn't read about his broken collar. Okay. (laughs) Uh I thought you had a wig on there. Your hair (laughs) looks real good. (laughs) So at his three-week pediatrician appointment, they said, I didn't realize he had a broken collarbone. I didn't see that in his chart. And my husband and I were like, what? Um, So he had a real rough entry into planet Earth. Yeah. And so he did not sleep uh, for almost ten months. I think it took probably a good six for the whole thing to heal. Um, And then it just was like this place is weird. Um, So he actually sleeps better now that his sister shares a room with him. There you go. He started sleeping through the night like that. Yeah. Um, So yeah, they're they're pretty great. Great. We're kind of fans. Yeah. Well,
1: we didn't have any that close together, but my last one was ten pounds five ounces, so I know that experience.
0: That's a whole thing. That's
1: a different thing, isn't it?
0: It's a very different thing. Well, and he was actually born naturally. Jet, who was much smaller, she was the C-section baby. So um, they just mixed it all up. But I got a lot of experience between the two of them. And um, we'll see what happens in the future. Good. Well, you look great
1: for uh, for the reality of a two-month-old baby and a two-year-old. You You look fabulous.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Eight months. Eight months.
1: Oh, okay. Sorry. I, you know, I'm
0: no, you're good. You're good. Um,
1: I usually say I'm only good with numbers one through nine, but that doesn't even work here. So yeah, I don't know.
3: <laughs> can you, all, can y'all hear me?
1: Yeah, I can. Yeah.
3: I can never hear myself. I don't know why it's so sorry to be late and hop on late and
0: no, you're good. Uh, She's got kids. She gets it. Yep. Oh yeah.
3: Got the physical scheduled.
0: I'm very comfortable with uh, some tardiness. I'm usually the one bringing it to the table.
3: Well, with my tardiness, I actually, I had a question to throw out, you know, different things when I was like making some show notes or whatever it might be called. Yeah. And since y'all are talking about having babies and when I was thinking about you having such a young one, my favorite stories that I've heard someone talk about on the podcast, it was an Enneagram three who talked about, you know, after the baby was born and being in the room, how she felt like she couldn't be herself like all the things that she wanted to do because yeah. her parents and her in-laws were in the room and other people and the doctors. And I was just curious. I can
0: imagine. you
3: have a, what your experience as a six in a similar situation uh, recently was like?
0: Yeah. So mine is probably a little bit more six-like, mm-hmm. unsurprisingly. <laughs> um, That's I actually very with- helpful
1: for our podcast if it's more six-like.
0: Good. Yeah. <laughs> Good. I got a lot of six-like content. <laughs> Um, mine was more the lack of information that they give you, like they send you out of that hospital with a whole human. And there's not a book that tells you everything that you need to know. And so I remember, um, so my son was born at eleven fifty nine PM. And so you get, you know, two days in the hospital. Well, they said, don't worry about it. You'll get that extra day. We're not going to kick you out. Well, a day and a half later, they said, you know, insurance doesn't care that you were supposed to have two full days. So Monday morning, they tell us we're leaving that day. I'm expecting to have until Tuesday. And so I just stopped for just the next good bit of time, the drive home at the house, like I just was so unprepared. Felt like it was too soon. He still wasn't sleeping. Wasn't sure if he was going to eat. I had all these questions and now all my resources were gone All my nurses. I I didn't have them at my side anymore. And so that would probably be more my version of it is like, I just feel like they should maybe send someone home with you. I don't know, somebody to kind of help make sure uh, you can keep this thing alive by yourself. And of course, we figured it out over time. We have a really good community. But uh, yeah, that would be my version of it. I just felt really unprepared. Wow. Even with all the podcasting and the book reading and all the things that I did on the front end, uh, it still wasn't enough.
1: We just uh, were in Santa Fe a, a couple of months ago, I guess, or I don't know, six or seven weeks ago, for a little bit of a vacation. And we were eating at an outdoor restaurant, and the tables were quite close. And a couple comes in, and they they have all the things. You know, they have the big carriage. And they both have on backpacks. Like, they are, they have all the stuff. ready. And Joe normally doesn't say anything about what's happening around us. But he said to me, kind of sheepishly, are they moving in? And they're in a corner table next to us, so they can't leave from any direction but to go by us. They were talking about the plan they're making for their baby. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, it was literally... Well, I think we can put her down at 10 uh, and we're supposed to feed her then at 1040. So maybe we should get her up at 1038 to make sure that she wakes up. But wait, should we change her before we feed her or after we feed her? Well, the podcast I'm listening to says that we should change her b- before we feed her. Uh, Mike, it was
0: crazy. I totally get it. And it's too much. But you think you're helping yourself. You're not. Sure. You're going to create more anxiety for yourself. There you go. You preach, girl. It's not going to happen like that. Yeah. Yeah. No. There's that, um,
1: oh, you can go. Well, no, I'll just say one last thing. I have a tendency to talk to people anyway. You know, Joel and Joe and everybody else does not love it. But I just talk to people. And we were there an hour and a half. And we get up to leave, and they're still making out their list. And they have a calendar and all that. And I just said to them, is this your first baby? And they said, yes. And I said, you know, you know more than you think you do. And yeah. you're not going to be in charge of all this. So yeah. y'all yeah. enjoy your lunch.
3: Like <laughs> Those people are somewhere it's so saying good to hear she hear that was wrong and she disappeared head. out of our lives.
1: That's right. That's
0: right. <laughs> and what's her name and where did she that's right that's
1: exactly right
0: i'd like to leave a review on that advice (laughs) no there's that um that Anne lamont quote where she talks about uh it's something like you're afraid of losing control uh or you're afraid of letting go because you don't want to lose control but you never had control all you had was anxiety and i feel like that if i could give any new six parent that advice i absolutely would because that was I, I definitely took a very different approach round two.
1: That's my, just gold.
3: My first wife is an Enneagram six. And so before Gracie was born, we did everything that we were supposed to do. And then all the things on top of that also. And some things were, I, the example I'm about to give was the baby CPR and everything, and that's, Oh yeah. I'm not saying that's not necessary. Uh, but so we do all these classes. I mean, it felt like a class every other day that we were having to go do. And then sure enough, yeah. we were at a restaurant one time after Gracie was born. Gracie wasn't joking. There was another baby toddler joking and those parents hadn't, had not done the classes. No. And I mean, it was probably the smoothest thing that I ever did in my entire life. I just got up, went over, picked up their baby, flipped it on my arm, pop, pop, pop. Handed the baby back, went back and <laughs> sat down, sat down and kept That's
0: <laughs> awesome. Okay, so here's the funny thing about that. We did that too in our Lamaz class, and then we did baby CPR. But I don't remember anything from the baby CPR because I was pregnant and already had mom brain. So my yeah. husband would actually have to be the one.
1: Yeah.
3: Yep. Yeah. I wonder if it's actually one of those things that just it. kicks in. Like you remember it when you need to remember it. You don't. Maybe. Hopefully you never May, find it, out, but
0: yeah i really hope not we um, we had a scared jet fell off the bed onto her head um and it was kind of recently and she was wide awake but when i picked her up she tried to fall asleep and i was like not okay tears what have i done because i was reaching for my toddler i was seconds away from her and it all happened that fast so i call nine one nine one one i'm panicking i'm crying on the phone i'm talking they ask a question i ask my husband And he says, babe, hang up the phone. We live two minutes from Children's Hospital. We'll get there much quicker than an ambulance will get to us. And we timed it. It's actually two and a half minutes. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It didn't kick in like that for me.
3: And you saved yourself like $5,000 from that. uh,
0: Yeah, seriously. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And she was absolutely fine. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, I'll take a different approach on number three. If
1: all parents were honest... Like, really honest. I wonder if there is a baby that hasn't fallen off of something. Off of the bed, off of the little sofa, off of the... I just, yeah. all four of mine fell off of something. And I felt terrible yeah. every time.
0: Yeah. It felt like it was my fault yeah. every time.
1: Yeah. Well, actually, it was my fault every time,
0: I guess. Same. But... <laughs>
3: Sometimes things just happened.
0: Yeah, I don't know. They just happen. I don't know. But they're okay. We all made it. Yep. I'm sure it happened to us too.
3: So you used to live in Dallas?
0: I did. Let me tell you about the FOMO that I have right now that I can't be in the room with you. Um I was so happy to leave the Dallas heat. I was especially after that summer where it was like record 100 degree temps. I think it was like 2010, 11-ish. Um but yeah, I lived in Dallas from 2000 six till 2017. And so I ended up moving. So I left Dallas, I moved to Alabama. And then I left Alabama to move to Ohio. Um, We actually were moving because of the church plant. So I'm a part of a church plant in Cincinnati. But my former boss in Dallas is actually the pastor of the church here. Um, And so that's how I ended up on the road way back over here. It was kind of nice. I have family out here, um, so it's been a great move for us. Can't believe we 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 were two ships passing in the night. there you go
1: well i I have to say I've uh, known you now for I don't know 12 minutes or something, and you're perfect for church planting. Thank you you're just perfect. you have the I'd perfect-
0: love to hear more
1: about that. Okay, you have the perfect personality, and you anticipate the questions that people need answered. Mm-hmm. And you're happy and beautiful and smart and you 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 got it all. You tell them they should they should give you a raise that you had that I said you have it all.
0: Yeah, I'll be sure to let them know that. I volunteer. My husband's on staff, but they can give him a raise.
1: Yeah, or you know, or they c- could do something for volunteers.
3: Was that? Yeah, you know, if the because Queen City Church it's like five years old now.
0: Yeah, yeah.
3: With the Reverend being a Methodist pastor. There's was no church planning. It was, these churches had been here. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I would think the first five years of a church would be nothing but questions. Yeah. And
0: constant and ongoing. Um, and I think here's what's tricky about that. I am anticipating and thinking through all the questions on a number of levels, not just for the people attending, but also the people leading of like, how are we going to navigate when people start families? And, but it's that second guessing is this question worth asking, right? Is this question worth verbalizing where I kind of, um, we call it rainbow pinwheeling really, if you're a Mac user where I just kind of circles the gamut. Oh, until yeah. Something has to happen. I have to ask the question because now other people are attached to the answer on the other side. Um, so that's where I have been working to, to, to act a little bit more quickly.
3: I wonder what it is for fives because I've never heard... A six talk about that. I mean, I've heard the teaching of sixes where they wait to ask the question. Right. Sometimes too long before you can even. And so then they're saying, should I Mm -hmm. even ask the question? And that next layer I shared recently, and I've shared it before in the past, um, how I think about if I do or say this, then what am I going to have to do or say after that? Yeah, and that's mm-hmm. what prevents me from doing something because I'm like, oh, I don't want to. Mm-hmm. I don't want to answer the second question. I will. I can yeah. give you this answer, but I don't want to continue it. I don't but want this the, to be a conversation. Layered thinking yeah. And yeah. I want. Do fives have that layered thinking of?
1: I think they do, but they start from a different place, and it's not a happy place. They start from an "I don't trust you" place, and they start from a place of "I don't really want to do small talk with you." to get to whatever it is you want to ask. And so I think when they have a question, they make sure they don't know the answer because I think relying on somebody else to answer a question as a five is vulnerable. Now that's not the same. For a six, it would be, I'm going to ask the question. I may not trust the answer. That, Mm -hmm. then the vulnerability comes later in the process. And I think you're the only one who's thinking out of the five, six, seven triad. I think you're the only one who's thinking, yeah, "Yeah, if I, if I stay in this conversation, what am I going to have to do? What's it going to cost me is what you're avoiding saying. Yes. Yeah.
3: (laughs) Whereas, whereas it's different. It sounds like for you of, all right. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Does that person even know the answer? Do they have the context to even answer the question that I'm asking? There's a whole list of qualifications. And then by the time it's time to ask and I've qualified, it's like we've (laughs) moved on. That person's gone. Like it's Monday. It's Monday now. That was the Sunday question. Do I bring it back up?
3: For me, I live by the principle of the worst thing they can say is no. What's the worst thing that could happen here? Except not from a six. What's the worst thing? Uh, a seven of yeah. yeah. <laughs> those are two different questions yes they are two
1: very different yeah, yeah from the seven place of it's still what's it gonna cost me
3: <laughs> but you know, if i ask a question if they say they don't know they don't know i don't care i you know yeah and there's yeah that's the worst thing or they don't have time to answer or yeah or it's a silly question what whatever whereas
1: well i'll tell you what i'm gonna sure for sure use the qualifications that you just gave. Cause I've not, I don't say those words cause I haven't heard them yeah. till today. Yeah. And that will be very helpful to people. I'll point them to this podcast too, but That's right. that will be helpful.
0: I'm happy to help. I know it was kind of like, I'm so pumped to have like a, a counterphobic six on here. Cause it's a little bit different. And I don't think we hear from I'm a ex- lot of us.
3: I'm excited too. And I'm really excited because I, I read that you said I'm three parts Southern hospitality and one part Brooklyn hood. And I'm curious if that one part <laughs> Brooklyn hood is the, is, counterphobic. is the counterphobic yep. part.
0: I think so. I absolutely think so because I, I was born in Jersey. My dad does live in New York, but I was raised in Texas. So you got all that Southern charm and I love it. And I'm so thankful for it. But I don't even think the Brooklyn hood came out until my mid twenties. When I would say, like, I would, in my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, the phobic counterphobic is a spectrum, right? Correct. And you can you kind of move along it. And I think the shift happened when I started working for my eight best friend, and and they imparted some of their logic. Into me and they were the authority figure in my life at that point. And so I think that's where the hood kind of would come out. He would say, like, oh, closet hood or yeah. customer service jasmine, as they call it. Oh, customer service is bad. That's one way to get it out of me real quick. I'm like, you can't talk to people that way. You're in the service industry. You you kidding me? Right? Yeah. I will ask for a manager so quick and I will be very tactful in my undressing of that situation and how to train better
3: in the future your best friend is an eight and they they pull out of you yes so many times people uh confuse outwardly looking at counterphobic sixes and also i think when people are on the journey of figuring out their own number and they are a six more on that counterphobic side they think that especially because people will probably tell them oh no you're you're
1: an eight yeah yeah
3: how are there differences that you notice in you and your best friend and, and can we get the oh, best friend's name? so we I don't sure. Keep referring to this. Oh yeah. Brian. 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 Okay.
0: Brian. And he's the pastor of the church plant. So it's, okay. it's great. We're still, um, yeah. Getting to do life and ministry together, but there's a couple of main differences. One, I would say the inner dialogue. Um, I was thinking about a situation a couple of weeks ago where it was like a boundary issue to me of like, that's a them problem. And I was thinking about how, when he says that's a them problem, he walks away from that situation and never thinks about it again. Mm -hmm. But I will just deal with the anxiety again and then be like, that's a them problem. That's a them problem. That's a them problem. And then internally I'm like, that's a them problem. Right. It is because I did this and these are the steps. And it's like that chaining where I just rehash and hash and hash and hash. But all of that is happening happening internally and nobody has any clue, but on the outside, I'm like aggressively, that's a them problem. And then I would say the other thing that I've learned is, and and my husband has really helped me learn this, is that I come across with that aggression, that aggression, when I'm actually afraid of something, but I don't have a clue that there's fear on the other side of it, um, but I'm asking 25 questions, and they're coming off like, "Do you even know what you're talking about? Have you have you looked into this? Have you you know done the research?" And what he's learned is, if he'll ask, "What are you afraid of?" or "What are you afraid is going to happen if?", then it's like it disengages that a energy. And it, it is like, oh, I didn't realize I was feeling afraid in that moment. It's almost like the, the picture I have with my counselor is it's like you're drowning in water and someone's just there and they're like actually trying to help. But you're like slapping them in the face and just clawing at them. But you're really just trying to like not drown in that feeling or that fear in that moment. So that's the where I realized like, oh, I'm attacking him and I didn't mean to. I was just trying to keep my head above water in that moment. So I think a lot of the difference is internal of like I'm just trying to not drown in this angst about a future possibility. Seems like maybe
1: we need more bracelets. Then what are you thinking? What are you feeling? What are you doing? Because I have not had a bodily physical reaction to something said on our podcast in a couple of years. And I just had it because clearly I need one that says, What are you afraid of? Yeah. Because I'm really struggling with a lot of vulnerability right now. And I respond with helping people that aren't mine to help. Because that's my that's my go-to. And I'm gonna tell Joe when I start offering myself to people who number one, I don't know, and number two, I don't have time to help, I'm gonna get him to say Time out. What are you afraid of?
3: So she's mentioned we used to have um, these silver bracelets for the Enneagram stances for one, two, and sixes. Mm-hmm. What are you thinking? Uh, four, five, and nine. What are you, what am I doing or what are you doing? Three, seven, eight.
0: Yeah.
3: What are you feeling? The aggressive stance, they didn't take to buy in those. So we still have some <laughs> laying around here if anybody three, seven, eight stops by. <laughs> and the one, two, and sixes, those, those left immediately, those flew off the shelf. <laughs> Shocker. So, uh, <laughs> But I think what you're talking to or what I'm hearing is the other side of it of you're talking to the triads and shame, fear, and anger. Yep. It's a perfect example. Everyone's afraid of something at, at some time. That's yeah. not... Six, five, six, and sevens don't have a monopoly on that. Just like twos, threes, and fours aren't the only people that feel shame. Yeah. And eights, nines, ones aren't the only ones that are angry. Right. But then you talked to... How you, as a two, respond to the yep. fear in your two way, yeah, because of the wounds and the unconscious messages, whereas it's going to be different for
1: everybody but but i wonder, I wonder now, because we're having this conversation with Jasmine, I wonder if there is a a single bracelet for each stance instead of beyond what are you thinking? What are you feeling? What are you doing? I wonder if there is a because we're in the dependent stance, yeah. And so our thinking is kind of messed up, but Mm -hmm. what's the secondary thing? And when your husband says, what are you afraid of? You have to bring up thinking. Mm -hmm. And when I'm doing all that I'm doing, Joe will say, what are you doing here? You don't have time for this. And I just, I think there's probably a secondary question that follows the first that if we could get to with all three stances would be helpful.
3: Do you think it's true that for when I Joel as a 7 am angry?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Then the secondary thing is going to be fear.
1: Mm, mm-hmm.
3: So when you're afraid, you're or angry, your secondary thing is going to be shame. Mm-hmm. Like it, do you think does that sound like it holds true for you Jasmine of when you're angry or They'll sh- shame. I don't need, I'm so, it's so foreign to me. I don't know what the correct verb of when you are feeling shame. Yeah. you. That Then you go to fear and then you respond as a six through the fear. I respond as a seven through the fear. You respond as a two through the shame. And then which, which is why we have to have the feeling wheel. That's right. Because it's not fear, shame, and anger. It's that thing. It's we're, after we're that. We're using that.
1: Yeah. What's well, after that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. What's before yeah. And what's before that? Yeah. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm just now, Jasmine. I, literally, I'm just now settling down. That hit me yeah. so strong. uh And now we'll stop the therapy session with me and I'm move so on.
3: Glad. <laughs> that <laughs> means a lot. Off, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he'll be glad to know. I'll meet with my therapist and say, "Guess what, Jasmine
0: taught me." <laughs> Well, I'm glad it could be reciprocal because I start a lot of sessions with, I've been thinking about this thing that I heard on Suzanne's podcast. We call you Suze in my counseling. Oh, I'm so
1: glad. I'm happy to be Suze with you.
0: Something Suze said.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. I don't think I've ever called you Suze.
1: No, I don't think you should start. This is with Jasmine and me. You have moved from mom to Suzanne. I think that's a far enough
3: move for us. (laughs) Oh, man, you're being so soothed right now. The
1: godmother, also. So, Jasmine, uh, tell me what you think your gifts are in this movement. What gifts do you have because you move from phobic to counterphobic to phobic to counterphobic? Does counterphobic offer phobic Jasmine something? And does phobic Jasmine offer counterphobic Jasmine something?
0: Um, it's much easier for me to know how counterphobic helps, right? because i've I've learned to do things afraid, and then I look back and I'm like, man, I'm so glad I did that. I wouldn't have done it if I mm-hmm. what I've noticed is like there's honestly often no talking me out of what i I'm afraid of. Like you can't outreason me a lot of the times. A few people can in certain cases, but a lot of the times it's like, that didn't do it for me. But I might just choose to do it even though I'm afraid. And I I love that about me. And I love that I feel like, like, I'm not going to be stopped because this makes me anxious. I'm going to get to the other side. It makes me feel strong. I think the counterphobic makes me feel strong and capable. And it's something that I get excited about teaching my kids to do things afraid. So that's where I feel like Counterphobic really helps me lean into hard conversations and um, yeah. And then I would say phobic, that is a lot harder. I think my phobic side of me makes me feel very vulnerable. I would say maybe I would want to test this a little bit. I think it's what allows me to have true like empathy, compassion, understand where someone's coming from. It's the softer side of me. And so I, I mean, I don't know. I, that's a really hard question to answer. I'm like, I've never thought about the gifts that the phobic side of me brings to the table other than a little bit softer and soft yeah. is good a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. I love that um, answer. Yeah.
1: Here's what I Try also softer. love. Um, I love, I'm going to teach my kids to do things afraid. Because there are numbers who would say to their kids, there's no reason for you to be afraid.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid. Just don't be afraid. There's nothing, there's nothing to be afraid of here. Think about it. There's yeah. nothing here to be afraid of.
3: I, I do have a success, success story, though. Let me hear for me, the first week of school for the kids and driving Jolie. I'm like, are you excited? She's like, I'm, I'm a little scared. Yeah. And Jolie, this kid yeah. just... Has got the world in the palm of her hand. She's so great. Yeah. And, and I caught myself and I said, That is a that is an understandable feeling. I can understand that you'd feel that way. And you're gonna do all and man, you're gonna I crush the, it. Uh, yeah. It's yeah.
0: awesome.
3: Yeah. Whereas t- my go to for probably the first five years of school for her, or <laughs> you got nothing to be afraid of. You're Jolie. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. you got this. Yep. And yeah.
1: Yeah, it would be interesting for us to sometime uh, do a a year of having the same question at the end of the podcast and have it be like, what's your one thing? Like, um, I can do hard things, that podcast name, but teach my kids to do things afraid. Mm -hmm. Like, there are things that we don't, one-liners like that, And you've got a bunch of them. Like in your pocket, you carry them, I guess, Jasmine, because you've got a bunch. I don't know
0: what they are. Maybe you can send me a list.
1: (laughs) I'll trade you a list for your list of all the qualifications for questions. But you do have some good one-liners about sixness. I don't know if you're just comfortable with us or if this is everyday Jasmine. But for a six, you are right out
3: there. Well, Should we stop here? <laughs> and
1: thank you. It's
0: so nice to have you.
1: Mic
3: drop. And uh,
0: I've got my validation for all of 2023, guys. I'm good. Nobody can tell me anything.
3: Well, and sixes are prepared. Yes. I'm curious. We So we were originally scheduled. I don't remember the exact date. I had to reschedule it because it was like right. Be, I think it was the day before boot camp or something yeah, like that. Yeah, we couldn't breathe. Bad, bad yeah. timing on my part for scheduling. But, and I remember you saying that sounds great. The, <coughs> what, what did it sound great because it gave more time was, or were you, did you have uh, you know, an appointment that you're like, sweet, I don't have to reschedule something. The reason why I'm asking and thinking about this being a possibility, there was one time that we asked uh six to be on the podcast and they're like, let me think about it. And then they came back and they said, yeah, yeah, I'd like to and you know, I'd love to be on the podcast when and I do some dates and they're like, no, no, no. Like add, add some months in between now and when we're <laughs> going to record this podcast, I'm not ready.
0: So, because when you sent date options, I was like, oh, those are not really soon. <laughs> um, and it was like, not tomorrow. It was like two weeks out. I was like, Oh, uh, mm. um, <laughs> But I, again, it was like, all right, well, I will pick the furthest of these very soon dates, which was, I think like the first or something. And then when it didn't work out, it just was like, but it wasn't, you know, even this was like, all right, I'll pick, you know, two weeks out from now. It wasn't like I was giving myself a ton of extra time because I also think I've learned the kindest thing I can do for myself is get it over with if it's something that gets me like makes me scared. Otherwise I just feel scared until it happens. So it's like do I want to prolong feeling anxious for an indefinite amount of like there's no benefit to me other than I think I'm preparing but I'm not. I've learned that about, you know. I'm I'm not really helping myself out. I'm just going to give myself more anxiety.
1: Man, I'm going back and listening to this podcast with my pen in hand, and when I teach sixes from now on, I'm just going to say, this is Jasmine Wisdom. This is Jasmine Wisdom right here. You get ready for it, because I'm telling you, that's another one of those one-liners. It's that whole thing of, well, I'm just setting myself up to be afraid, or whatever you said perfectly. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I relate so much to it also. I don't know if you remember when I first started paying attention and getting into the Enneagram, and improvement and all the things, uh, growing up, I, maybe is the word I'm looking for. Uh,
1: afraid in, in my,
3: in my Just late twenties, right. when I started doing that, um, uh, and I, and I said to you, I was like, I think, you know, I know it doesn't matter for my number and my motivation, but it clicked for me one day that I was like, I, th- I think I've got a big counterphobic six wing. I asked you if, if as a seven, if a wing could be phobic six or counterphobic six, I was like, I think it's counterphobic six. And the reason being exactly what you just said, so many things that I've done, both good and both good choices and poor choices. It was, you got to do it. Like you can't not do it. You need to, mm-hmm. you need to
0: get her done. You need to do it. Mm-hmm.
3: And I think it's that.
0: Yeah. It's just not fun. Being scared is just not fun. No. Who wants that? I know.
3: And I'll tell you what
0: I got time, it anyway.
3: Half the time, hopefully this isn't the experience with this, <laughs> with your experience on the podcast today. Whenever I do, whenever it's the that big fear, is fear is making the decisions. Mm-hmm. I don't feel relief afterwards.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah. When shame
0: makes if decisions, if anything, I feel maybe a little regret
3: regret yeah maybe i should have an anxiety about and now another future anxiety because i just did this and should i've done it maybe i should have talked to somebody maybe Mm
0: 100 percent yeah shame does it and i i would rather do it and feel regret than not do it and feel regret indefinitely if i should have done it there's way more questions on the other side of not doing it Mm -hmm. for me and i feel like you actually teach this suzanne when you talk about playing through the fear just play it all out Mm -hmm. listen i'm not recommending my unpopular opinion i think the show lost was a major loss of my life Uh, but there's one scene that i live for and it's where jack's like he's one of the main characters and he's talking about like this time he was afraid and he says he was doing I think like spinal surgery on a patient.
3: Okay, this is Joel and I'm jumping in here because uh, you know, I was like this clip, I went and found it that she's talking about and I didn't want to put it at the beginning because then the beginning would be like 10 minutes long. Uh, But it seemed important. And so we're going to play it right now. You don't seem afraid at all. I don't understand that.
2: Well, fear is sort of an odd thing. When I was in residency, my first solo procedure was a spinal surgery on a 16-year-old kid, a girl. And at the end, after 13 hours, I was closing her up and I. I accidentally ripped her dural sac. It's right at the base of the spine where all the nerves come together. Membrane, thin as tissue, and so it, it ripped open. <laughs> And the nerves just spilled out of her like angel hair pasta. Spinal fluid flowing out of her. And I. And the terror was just so crazy. So real. And I knew I had to deal with it. So I just made a choice. I'd let fear in. Let it take over. Let it do its thing. But only for five seconds. That's all I was going to give it. So I started to count. One, two, three, four, five. And it was gone. I went back to work, sewed her up, and she was fine.
3: Could have been me if i would have run for the door and so that was the clip that jasmine is referring to it's from the show lost
0: spinal surgery on a patient and he he was almost done and he made a mistake and he said he's watching like her you know spinal cord spill out like neurons or whatever and he said and in that moment I made a decision and he says, I let it all in. I let the fear all in. I let it have its way. I let it do its thing. And then he says, but only for five seconds. That's all I was going to give it. And so he counted to five and in the show he goes, one, two, three, four, five. And then he says, and then I got back to work and I sewed her up and she was totally fine. And I feel like that is what you're saying when you say like, Play it all the way through. I let it in. I am super afraid. It makes me feel all these things and I'm going to feel it all. And then I'm going to say yes. And then I'm going to do it. And then it's nine times out of 10, going to be fine. But it is, I think I have to rely more on that logic and that principle than, oh, think of all the times before where it turned out successful. That doesn't work for me. And I, I mean, I, I use the language, you know, you talk about present tense where nines are tethered to the past, I feel like I get stuck in the present. So I get stuck in this overwhelming sense of anxiety and I can't think of a time that it worked out. Okay. And I can't like, I got nothing just blank. And I obviously can't think of how it might be okay in the future. So I feel like I actually have to live my life with principles instead of memories of like, I'm going to do it afraid. I've got to keep that because thinking of times where it worked out. Okay.
1: Zero. Zero help. <laughs> Jasmine Wisdom. There's, there's another one-liner. It's another one-liner. I live my, my life with principles instead of memories. That is a one-liner for people who are oriented to the present moment. Good grief. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for letting me know I taught you something because you're teaching me so much. Such good language. And it's difficult mm-hmm. to have sixes, choose. To be vulnerable enough on a podcast yeah. that they don't have any control over yeah. to say, this is who I am. This is how I do it. Yeah. So kudos to you. And I have a question. Another one. Yeah. What's the difference in fear and anxiety for you?
0: Uh, I mean, I think anxiety is really just about something in the future that might happen. I use the language afraid when I, I really do think it's anxiety. Because I think fear you know if you look at what's that um, Atlas of the heart by Brene Brown yep she goes through all these different emotions and anxiety is about a future state that has not happened It may not happen. Fear is like right now like I could get I'm walking across the street and cars are flying right mm-hmm. and I have to make it to the other side in the next five seconds I'm being chased. Um, that's fear. That's like right now. And I'll be over it in about five seconds. We'll see what happens. But I think angst is like in the future.
1: Um, I don't know if that's helpful, but that is helpful so for the I two of it. you who are in the fear triad. Would you say that anxiety is a word for the whole triad? Like, were you a few minutes ago, we're talking about your fear. Is it anxiety? Really?
3: I don't think it's anxiety as much if we're going with that working definition, because what I was talking to a second ago was in the minute, in the moment decision. Uh huh. Jump mm-hmm. or don't jump.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, that's fear. Yeah. Yeah, I can yeah. see that.
3: And well, because, and, the, and also I think oriental,
1: fear
0: is a real threat.
1: Well, the key word there too is in the moment.
3: Yep. Yeah.
1: You're because because you're feeling it. You're not anticipating feeling it.
3: You are feeling it. And my future orientation isn't as a seven is rarely that this is going to turn out bad.
1: <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> Unfortunately. What is it like? Yeah. <laughs> tell, so Jasmine, tell Jasmine life. what it's like to, so to be you. It's
3: not anxiety. It's, you know, it is in the present moment. It's that fear. <laughs> is That's that is that a awesome. movie, Fear in the Present Moment, or something like that?
1: Is that a movie? Yeah, I would I not like know.
3: It, maybe it's an old movie. Uh, yeah. One of the things that I uh in in the stalking of you on Instagram <laughs> you had this beautiful for me i think beautiful journal in 2014 it was like leather bound it was all it was, it was worn you had you were flipping through it yeah. in like a video and it was just i was like oh that's that's how you journal right there and so i was curious one if journaling is still a part of your Life, self-care, the way you do things, um, and what that's like. A lot of people, that's one of Suzanne's biggest recommendations across the board for everyone is journaling in some form Mm -hmm. or fashion. And I love that you're starting to expand when you're talking about it, that journaling can look very, very different for different people. It doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be sit down at the end of the day and write four pages or something.
0: All your thoughts.
3: So I'm just curious, you and journaling and that relationship.
0: That's a really good question. I actually recently have been like, I I think I was better inside when I journaled on a regular basis. It's been really hard with two littles, you know, a two year old and an eight month old, um, to find the time to like go to bed before midnight. Um, so journaling is not really a part of my current but I realize I realize this because I've never considered myself a verbal processor, which I find very interesting with what we talk about for the ones, twos and sixes. But I asked my husband, do you think I'm a verbal processor? And he was like, no, not really. And I think it's. I think it's a couple of things, but the main thing is, I think when I have the capacity to work through my thoughts. Written down, then I don't like need a person. I've like sorted them out. I've got them out. And I get clarity as I write. So I do spoken word also. So the writing is a big part of how I experience my emotions and kind of get things out. So I feel like that is my version of verbal processing right. is, is journaling. And it keeps me more intact when I'm in the present with someone. It also makes it hard for me to communicate verbally because I keep trying to find the right word. Like I want to articulate exactly what I'm thinking or feeling and it can make me freeze a lot. Yeah. I don't journal like I used to. I feel it. Yeah.
1: I'm, I'm going back to it big time. I, I have been away from it for a while and I've, I have to go back. So I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm carrying a journal with me everywhere I go again. Two things I want to tell you about journaling. And the first is Hunter Mobley, who you know, as part of LTM, he's teaches the cohort with Joe, and he's fabulous. And
3: yeah. he
1: has had a journal that you, it was a three-year journal, and so you only had like three lines to work with. Yes. That much space. And the one question he answered every day was, from this day, I remember.
0: Oh, it's so good.
1: Isn't that it's good? It's so doable. It is so, so doable. It, I like that. And you're at a season, you're in a season where it's so doable for you.
0: Yeah, I mean doable.
1: Yeah, well, that's one thing. The other thing is Abigail Thomas, uh, I think that's the correct name, an author I like. um, She, I believe, somebody says this, and I think it's her, that her journal was everything. Her grocery list was in her journal. Like she had, did you do that?
0: Yes. So I was like, if it was full, it was full of a whole lot of content that wasn't just my thoughts. It's going to be my church notes, any list, any random thought I had that I couldn't forget later, or I needed to have one place to go back to because I can be a little bit scatterbrained. It had a lot in there than just my thoughts. And it probably spanned a couple years.
1: I've never done that, (laughs) but I'm thinking about doing that.
0: It's so helpful. Just to have everything in one place. It's what people do with their phones, right? Their iPhones, yeah, or they type and stuff in.
1: Yeah, I'm but I'm to a point where uh, age wise, where I have enough in my brain that I things I feel sure I'll remember. I forget.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So when I wanted to tell you about that journaling process and the grocery store and everything in it, I had both fingers crossed to help me remember that those were the nice. two things, and. I, like I just have to get back to journaling. That's all.
0: What's my excuse? You. Ha- what is your excuse? What is my your, excuse, your excuse for forgetting things in eight,
3: eight months?
1: Yeah, you're not. See. You're yeah, sleep yeah. deprived for the last two and a half years. That's what.
0: Thank you. Yes, yes, that's it. I'll take that. <laughs> I'll remind my husband when I leave the water running for the umpteenth time. You know, in the kitchen sink.
1: Yeah. So do you guys recognize <laughs> when you when you're in nine or when he's in six?
0: You know, we were trying to think about that in, during the pandemic when you guys were asking, like,
3: you know, 369-3. Yeah,
0: let us know. If, yeah. In the triangle. Um, I knew that I was in. I was not in nine. I was in three. But I, I didn't feel like I, I think I asked a question, actually. Can I be in three and not be unhealthy? Because I was <laughs> like, well, I'm bored and I can't get out. So I'm going to be the best employee, you know, that they ever had. It's going to work. To fill my time, um, I think what happens when I'm in nine, he goes to three. Like, when I'm in nine, it doesn't seem like we're ever in nine together. We're never just chilling together. When I'm in nine, he's in hustle mode, and my nineness is driving him insane because I'm not productive enough. Ah. Um, when he's in six, it is very it is fascinating to me to watch him in six because it is worst case scenario thinking or it's like worst case scenario, but it's a gut move to worst case scenario. Like when I'm like, what makes you like? if you ask me what makes me think X, Y and Z might happen? I have a list of like all the different things that if they fall into place or i've noticed this person does this and so i think when this happens they're going to do it again because that's their pattern like i have what i feel are reasons for him it's like i don't know and it's like just the worst possible scenario that could ever i'm like i don't i don't know how you got there it is a gut move to the worst case scenario. So that's always very interesting. I feel like we see each other's version of our number. And it's almost like you're sixing wrong, where he's like, you're <laughs> nining wrong. You know? Oh gosh.
3: I've said this for a long time that Whitney doesn't know how to properly be a set. Uh, go to seven. <laughs> seven <eight. laughs> and I agree. I've never thought about it in my. Uh, circumstance Whitney and I are never in seven space together it's weird so when I go to one I think she maybe still I think she maybe doubles down on one because she knows <laughs> <laughs> that she, oh god we need, we really need me right now <laughs> when Joel's in one but it's space. a conscious
2: choice yeah, yeah.
3: but it, it's just a, a different it's their yeah. version it's the nine version of six it's the one version of seven Yeah. It's, you know, I, Whitney, the plan spontaneity. Like, you can't plan.
1: Spontaneity. Yeah, let
3: the, let the fun find you. Yeah. We don't need to yeah. schedule the fun. Mm-hmm.
0: And Gee. I'm the sixth version of nine where I'm like, I'm done thinking. I'm not problem solving. I don't know. You can figure it out. Where I feel like I'm dependent on for the thinking ahead and the planning. And the that's what I often bring is the forethought. When I'm in nine, I'm like, whatever. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to watch another movie. Or read a book, really, is my version.
3: Well, I don't know. Read him a book. <laughs> Sounds an awful lot like me in five, too. <laughs> a lot of similarities here. I don't know. It'll be fine. I don't I I just want to sit out here and smoke the cigar. That's right. I don't... That's all right, you know? It'll be okay. It all's well. let, let him have the candy. It's <laughs> whatever it is.
0: This is the most positive you're gonna get me, babe. is <laughs> the best outlook I got. Yeah.
3: That's let awesome. me
0: nine. <laughs> Let me nine in peace.
3: That there's where it there's where it is. Me- that there is where it is.
1: <laughs> Excuse me, I'm in nine right now. Don't bother me. Yeah.
3: Well, I've got a an instance where it seemed like you were definitely in your nice core six uh, more recently than 2014. With the journaling, you did you posted a video of PSA about making sure that kids know their address.
0: Did you hear what yeah, happened? I, I, was I, like, don't think,
3: I don't think my mom has. So I haven't heard it, so fill me in. Listeners. Yeah,
0: I know, and my husband was like, that is so sick, because you're like, everyone needs to know. I, I think people should know. I was not prepared. I looked up some stats for this. Um, listen, I was pulling into my house, and this little girl walks up to my car, and she asked to borrow my cell phone. I was like, okay, what do you need it for? She said to call my sister. And so I thought, well, what's your sister's number? She didn't know. She asks Siri to call her sisters. She didn't know where she lived. She didn't know what direction she came from. She didn't know she lived with her grandma. She didn't know her grandmother's name. She couldn't tell me any information to help her get home. Um, And so I ultimately ended up she told me one sister's name but didn't know her last name or even how to spell it so it was like I ended up calling the police which I hated because she was clearly afraid um but I didn't know how to help her get home and so I she was seven years old she told me that and so I was like at what point should I be teaching my kids what when should they learn their address should I be teaching them my first and last name? You know, I, they call me mom. They call my husband, dad. At what point do they need to know? It's Nathaniel and Jasmine Miller. Um, it just kind of shook me because I never, I, you don't hear about random children showing up on people's doorsteps that don't know where they came from or how to get home. And so I did a video that was like, hey, PSA, make sure your kids know your address or some way of making sure just in case they get lost, you know, at the zoo, I don't know. Um, but yeah, so that, that was the situation. I felt like people should know, uh, cause it's not something that's ever crossed my mind before. Um, yeah. It was my little, when, little six PSA, very random.
1: Very, very but, important. So really, really important. I, you need to do that again. For the elderly.
3: (laughs)
0: Yeah,
3: yeah. Where's where's your bracelet? Yeah,
1: I don't. Uh, what? What's the phone number? I don't know. It's in my phone. I lost my phone. I don't know anybody's phone number. Yeah. Sometimes I don't know mine.
3: I can't unlock (laughs) my phone. Can't. What it made me think of when I saw the video because I. That is something important that I bet a lot of people haven't thought. That's right. And not to reduce. Sixes down to a caricature. The thing that I learned about myself in watching the video, yeah. I was like, there are these things that sixes do are you do, we don't, I don't have to be so dis- dismissive, if you will, of all the six stuff out there. Yes. Like, I don't need to know the nitrate levels of the tap water <sighs> in my house and yeah. those things, but it's not all that. Right. There's
0: some practical that I
3: don't think of that that the rest of us, there are things that we don't Mm -hmm. think of that sixes think of.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Josephine's right at the age where she you need to teach her, did you?
3: She She, she, she already had the names. Yeah. She knows the names. I think she knows she knows we live in Plano. She knows we work in Dallas. She (laughs) she she knows it's a long drive. So she knows all she asks all the questions while we're in the car of our, you know, she went to her preschool was in Richardson. So she learned like, okay, are we in Richardson now? Yes, we're in Richardson now. Are we in Plano now? Yep. Yeah. Now we're back in Plano. Yeah. Is Aunt Joy's house over there in the there? Yes, it is. Like she, yeah. she's picking yeah. all that up yeah. on her own. Yeah. But we, you know, I had the thing, I'm sure you're a podcast listener. You've probably heard me yeah. talk about Jace and his deal with that, with the cops always picking them up and. Oh my God! I think
0: I missed that.
3: Okay, it's.
0: <laughs> I feel like a fake fan, guys.
3: <laughs> no, it's, a, it's It's all good. It's there's a lot of there. I talk. I don't talk as much, but there's a lot of talking going on from out of the mica center, so it's okay for some things to get lost. <laughs> um, he just has one. He's a. I'm real confident he's a four. Uh, and don't know, but real confident he's a four.
1: Me too. Mm-hmm.
3: And like, and as an example, so he's had the police called on him. For, like, wellness reasons, not because he was mm-hmm. digging through, you know, hopping a fence or something. And one time, I was like, why Why did... He's walking in our neighborhood. Like, in our own neighborhood. We would only lived there for a few months. But he's just walking on the sidewalk in our neighborhood. And yeah. uh, the cop said, the person who called said that he, he looked very sad and lost. And I was like, no, that that's how he walks. Like, sad. that... That's how he carries himself. He is fine.
0: He's a mood walker.
3: But uh, the last time it happened, he and Jolie were coming back from the corner store that's just right at the edge of our neighborhood, pull up, a cop car, and I'm like, what is what is going on here? The cop you know, told the story. Somebody said he looked... Sad. He looked, he looked lost and scared and something. And uh, so I'm talking to the kids about it because they just... They couldn't get because I needed answers. I forget the circumstance. I was like, I don't, I don't fully understand this. Why y'all are in a in a police car? And so I'm asking. Yeah. I'm asking. They didn't ask any questions. They just got in the car. They got. They didn't ask any questions. They uh-oh, gave our, look
1: at Je- now. Now, do you see her brain? One it's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh oh, I see another public service announcement coming.
3: The. The police
1: officer. No, this is what I'm teaching my kids.
3: The police officer asked them where they lived. They told them. And and at this point, the police officer, I don't know if it's a cop. Right, Uh, right,
0: right. That's exactly what I'm thinking.
3: And then Jace is telling, do you all have a key to your house? No, but we know how to get in this way and because we have a keypad. And I'm like, oh my. So then I call the city. I'm like, I need to find out if this was an actual police officer that that has done this. or." If we're about to get just completely fleeced and yeah. it turns out it was a police officer. I got to talk to them and so Sweet. it ended up being okay. But yeah, then I turned and went and talked to my kids. I was like, all right, here's, here's the deal. You're not in trouble. Y'all did a lot of things wrong in this situation <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I don't need y'all to not do it again.
0: Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's so interesting, I- isn't it? To think about who we tell children they can trust. Like you would say to the children now: if it's a police person, you can trust them. You can trust this. You so can. That's.
3: But you. C- that's, not to, this is not this topic for today. That's cultural.
1: Yes, that not, is cultural. Yes. That's exactly 100%. right. Thank you for correcting me.
2: No, no. Really. Well, it's I've a seen soft seen
3: correction,
0: but thank you. Was that? I said, and also I've seen one too many movies.
3: Yeah. It's
0: so. like, how easy is it? To get a police uniform yeah.
3: and a fake badge, and in every a you know. car from an auction. Mm-hmm. Yes, and we all see the what is that? What's that? A Crown Vic, right? The Crown Victoria. Those yep, are- yeah, that's the one. Yep.
1: So. so people are going to listen to this podcast and talk to each other and say. And then, were you listening when they went off on that whole thing, <laughs> based on what they've seen on TV oh, and in movies? <laughs> oh, yeah.
3: But but you are you are right. What you're saying, even whatever culture you're in this is who you can trust and this yes. is who you can't trust. Yes. And... Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's very, it's so interesting to me because I, I grew up in a small farming community and when somebody stopped, cause I was walking around, they knew who I was and I knew who they were and you know, all the it's things. Different
0: world. It's very different. I, a very different world, especially living in a city. I, when we moved to Texas, we moved to a small town that when it got a Walmart, it was like, Guys, we got a Walmart. We're on the map.
3: We were there when Bowie got um, their Walmart.
1: Yeah, we've done that. Yeah. We've been there.
0: It's a big deal. Dude, Where did you live? Now have plans every Friday night. Um, Angleton, Texas. It was um if you're familiar with Freeport. Yep, Lake Jackson, south of Houston. We were probably we were ten fifteen minutes from Lake Jackson, and then twenty from Freeport. Got it. But I was thinking about this with the with the video with the sixth video. Because I, like I mentioned earlier, the shift, the counterphobic happened when I was working for Brian. And there was a question he used to ask me to like, encourage me towards action where I probably just would have pinwheeled is he would say, would you want that to happen to someone else? And it was like the magic words to get me to have a hard conversation or address an issue that I thought was wrong or, and I... And I think that's another um, answer to the question of the difference between counterphobic six and an eight. A lot of times what will make me, like when I see something where like, not on my watch, it's because I'm thinking like, I don't want that to happen to anybody else. Mm -hmm. You can do that to me all day up and down, but not to my friends or my husband or my children, or, you know, so I think in that video, I'm thinking like, oh, all the other people who like would really benefit. What if that, I don't think it'll happen with my kids. They don't get on a bus for school, you know, like, but there's all these other people that I wouldn't want that to happen to. And I feel like that's the sixes greater good. I, it is, that is a very motivating factor for me is if I would want it to happen to other people. It helps me set boundaries for myself as if I think of my daughter and, like, would I want her to have to deal with this? No, then I need to. That is how it helps me clarify if it's the right next step for me as well. hmm Do you think it helped
1: you to move into that more phobic, six counterphobic, more counterphobic six space because you work with somebody that you trust so much?
0: Absolutely. <clears throat> because you know, 8s don't tiptoe around no. much. And so one, he would ask me the question that anyone else would breeze by because they could tell I was uncomfortable. You know, uh-huh. it, a lot of people when they're reading the room, they'll oh, she don't want to lean into that we will go on. And he, he did not, um, which was so good, because it forced me to face a lot of things that I would just breeze on by. Um, but also, I think in the organization we were in he was the one setting culture so the right culture so this is where i would say my dependent stance comes in i'm like i i want to be good in this culture was the culture where you address things and you and so he he would even in meetings have this principle of like leaders go first so when you ask a question everyone's super quiet in a meeting and nobody wants to go first The culture was leaders go first and so i think that's where i started leaning into a lot of that well i'm gonna go first i'm the leader and that's what we do here and it trickled into the rest of my life and has helped me with my career outside of ministry Uh, so absolutely i would say if i did not work with him and in an environment where i was being pushed to harness more of that energy i I I don't think I would I wasn't going to get there on my own for sure
1: I think that's a real key for sixes who listen to our podcast that you can't you you can't listen to Jasmine and think oh I'm going to do that I'm going to do that if she can do it I can do it because Mm -hmm. circumstances and culture and uh, uh, relationships create space for us to grow in ways that you you can't just do uh, it's not a yeah yeah it's not a script yeah. for everybody and and so then switch. the challenge to sixes would be you know don't settle for where you are if you have a chance to be someplace where you might feel safer yeah then there's a lot of good growth that comes I believe for sixes when they're safe as opposed to to them challenging themselves outside of safety
0: absolutely absolutely and it and it couldn't just be any eight right right or just anybody i don't want to reduce someone to their number but there were several years of developing that trustworthiness and the care like you're you're not just aggressive but you are kind somehow when you do it and All these, you know, qualifications of like, I trust you, so I will lean into the advice that you're giving because I see someone that I would like to be more like. Yeah. Yeah.
1: One word I'm picking up that's a new thing for me to think about in terms of sixes is, is qualifications. Qualifications for thinking, qualifications for other people. Like, that's a big word for you, correct?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. My husband would agree. Interesting. <laughs>
3: We've run out of time.
0: No, no,
1: no.
3: Or else my kids are going to be wandering the streets again. <laughs> <so>. oh, <no. laughs>
1: well, that's okay. They know their address. <laughs> <laughs> we go. We go. Well, Jasmine, I have loved every minute of our time together, and I guarantee you we're going to do this again. Likewise.
0: Likewise. It- this is a dream come true to get to hang out with you guys. Hopefully, at some point, we'll get to do it in person. Maybe on one of my trips back home.
1: We would love that. You let us know when you're in town.
3: I need to go. I absolutely. I, I need to go catch a Bengals game anyway. I got. Okay, I
0: gotta, we'll come gotta, to you. Yeah, who day. Come on, come hang out. We'll show you around the town. Heck
3: yeah. Well, thank you. Thank we'll you. Thank. Thank time. you so much for for your time and willingness and yeah, honesty and everything that you shared.
1: Yeah. Lovely to meet I've you.
0: Had so much fun. It was wonderful meeting you.
1: Thank you for listening. Here's a preview of the next episode of the Enneagram Dream. I have, in the last two years, decided, I don't think you even know this, I've decided that when I'm hurt or angry or impatient or um, frustrated, I'm going to keep moving, but I'm going to breathe instead of talk. I'm gonna. I'm gonna uh, wait a bit before I try to bring up thinking. I'm gonna do what I'm already doing, but I'm gonna do it um, methodically or mechanically. And while I'm doing all of that, I'm just. I'm literally taking in slow breaths and letting them out, and taking in slow breaths and letting them out. And I'm saying less, and therefore I have fewer regrets.